every word of kindness that you've shown in our direction. We enjoyed a meal tonight with the Roger Mayberry family and appreciated that. Thanks for the singing and the leaders, for the prayers and the leaders. I just appreciate everything that each one of you has done to encourage the preaching of the gospel. So many of you here I have known for years and years, and a few of you here have known me just about all my life. As I think about that, I'm reminded of a little story that's a favorite of mine. Back years ago, a fellow was driving a stagecoach, and he hired a new man to ride shotgun with him. First morning, he said, look around and see if you see anything unusual. And he looked around, and he said, I don't see anything unusual except in that direction, I see a man riding a horse coming toward us. He said, how big does he look? He said, about that big. Well, he said, no danger today. The next morning, they got up and said, look around again. He did. He said, you see he said, I don't see a thing except that man in that direction. He's riding toward us. said, well, how big does he look? He said, he's about that big. Well, he said, it won't be any problem to us today. Third day, the same thing. The fourth. Every day, he said, I don't see a thing except that fellow's riding a horse coming right toward us. And the third day, how big? Well, he's about that big. Well, he said, he won't get here today. Next day, the same thing. He said, how big does he look today? He said, well, he looks like about six feet tall. He said, shoot him. He said, I can't. I've known him since he was that big. <laughs> and so some of you I have known since you were that big. Appreciate the young people being here again tonight. Several of you are here. A little story for you that has a lesson in it. In fact, maybe two. A little boy was a Boy Scout, and he came home one night, and his mother said, Son, have you done your good deed today? And he said, Yes, ma'am. said, What'd you do? Well, he said, I was downtown with my bulldog, and there were two older ladies trying to catch the bus, and they were about to miss it, and I seek my bulldog on them, and they made it. Now, the two lessons are do a good deed, but I would not suggest that particular deed each day. Our theme this week, Ten Cups of Love, or Ten Lessons on the Subject of Love. Yesterday we covered four of them. The greatest thing in the world is love, Missouri love, by that we meant show me love, and then reasons to love and levels of love. Tomorrow night will be tough love, and if that isn't love. And then Wednesday night, brotherly love, and don't stop loving me. And if you're not able to be here Wednesday night, and I know some of you won't, at least think about that title, Don't Stop Loving Me. Our first lesson tonight is when love becomes sin. Love is not always good. That's a little bit of an unusual statement, but it's just as true as it can be. In fact, as I read from 1 John 2, beginning at verse 15, I want you to notice the first two words. Love not. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Love not is the beginning of this commandment, which in and of itself suggests that there are 
some ways we might love or some things we might love that are not good. And I believe it's important for us to look at this side of the subject of love. When love becomes sin. One of the best ways to develop an outline is to just go to God's Word. God's Word gives some of the best sermon outlines that you'll find anywhere. God's Word helps to explain itself. Brother Marshall Keeble used to say, the Bible sure do shed a lot of light on them commentaries. Many times, if you'll just read another verse or read what's there, it helps you to understand what is involved in the particular teaching or the teaching of that particular passage. Something's not to be loved. Some types of love are problems. First, he says in verse 16 that we're not to have the lust of the flesh. A part of this love where he says love not has to do with lust. And he says it's the lust of the flesh. And by the way, the three types of problem areas that are discussed in verse 16 that we define as the three areas of temptation in life are the same three that Eve faced in the Garden of Eden and yielded and that Christ faced and did not yield. I think you'll find if you'll analyze those two areas of God's word that that's true. The lust of the flesh, he says, what does that mean? That means that we are not to have a love toward an inappropriate object to fulfill the physical appetite that God has given to us. Let me say something particularly to you younger folks and listen to me very carefully and older ones understand this too. The appetite for love and companionship is not sinful. Matthew 19 says God made us in the beginning male and female and said for this cause, the fact he made us male and female, a man is to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. God made us as human beings with an appetite for love and companionship. That is sometimes identified as a sexual appetite. That appetite is not sinful. But when it is fulfilled in the wrong way, it is sinful. And that's where love becomes sin on this point. I do not have the right to love your wife as you love your wife. Now there is another type of love that we as Christians have for everybody. And I would hope there's a sense in which all of us here love everybody that's here. But if I have a feeling of love for someone to whom I'm not married in the sense of sexual desire, that love becomes sin. 1 Corinthians 7 makes it about as plain as it can be made. To avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman her own husband. He goes ahead in the next three verses, that's verse 2 that we noticed, the next three verses, he shows how that complete intimate relationship between the husband and wife is just as beautiful as it can be. But when that fulfill, or that need for love and companionship is fulfilled somewhere other than in the 
marriage bed that is described in Hebrews 13.4, the bed is undefiled, when it's fulfilled anywhere else, then I suggest to you that love has become sin. And not only when it is fulfilled in that sense, but Jesus said in Matthew 5.28 that one can commit sin even in the mind when he has a lustful attitude after someone else to where perhaps opportunity is the only thing that keeps him from fulfilling that. Whoso looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. Now, I do not understand that to say whoso looketh that someone else has sinned. I think we can appreciate attractiveness and beauty and uh, the whole of any person. But when one looks at another with the desire to be involved intimately with that person and is not married to that person, he says that even the lustful look can be sinful. Hebrews 11, verses 24 and 25, in describing the decision that Moses made, the pleasure is indicated as being something that's sinful or associated with sin. Now, there is pleasure that's not wrong. Sarah talks about having pleasure with her husband back in Genesis 18. But there are the pleasures of sin that are for a season. And folks, you only have to look around you at what's happening in our country to realize that we have become almost sick as a nation in seeking pleasure, a pleasure-seeking people. And when the goal of a person in life becomes mainly to satisfy his own desires in pleasure-seeking without any guidelines and any standard, love can very easily become sinful. So I suggest to you that the lust of the flesh is involved in this love that can become sin. Next, notice that he says the lust of the eyes. In the temptation that was given to Jesus, you remember Satan said, look at all this land out here. Look at what I'll give you if you will bow down and worship me especially identifying a connection to materialism and earthly possessions. Love for earthly things can become sinful. It is not wrong for us to have earthly things and use them in the right way. But when that becomes our God, the God of money, the God of mammon becomes the object, the one is being worshipped, and our love for those things of this world becomes sin. And I'm afraid that most of us allow ourselves to become involved in that without really stopping and thinking about it. The rich farmer in Luke 12 had a love for material things. He had a good crop. He said, I'll just tear down my barns, build big barns, and I'll take care of myself. I'll say, soul be at ease. You've got everything you need. God called him a fool that night and took his life. Do we allow ourselves sometimes to think too much about earthly possessions? In 2 Corinthians 4.18, Paul said, we need to think about the things that are eternal instead of the things that are temporal. Notice he uses the word things in that passage, and that was used in our text. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
If you want to get a good idea of what things mean to you, sit down sometime, take your checkbook and your calendar, and analyze them. Where are you spending your money and how are you using your time? Is it possible that all of us sometimes allow ourselves to be too tied to the things of this world? And maybe love those things. You are well familiar with a verse to which we've already referred in a passing way. The love of money is the root of all evil. First Timothy 6.10. Didn't say money was the root of all evil. But he said the love of money. You see how love becomes sin in this way? When we're more concerned about possessions in this life, and as Jesus put it, laying up treasures in this life instead of laying up treasures in heaven. Our attitude toward materialism can be a way in which love becomes sin. And then in the third place in verse 16, he says the pride of life. We allow ourselves to love the pride of life. We may not have the love for God that we ought to have. The word pride is used in a good sense when we talk about a person takes pride in how he dresses and how he keeps his body clean and, and things like that, takes pride in his appearance. But so many times the word pride is used negatively in the sense that it's used to suggest that one is stuck up, that one's pride is there, that he's, that he's uh, egotistic, he's sold on himself and maybe leaves the impression at least, and perhaps sometimes even thinks it, that he's better than everybody else. There are instances in the Bible where this is indicated. In John 12, 42, many of the chief rulers believed on him, but they would not confess him, lest they be put out of the synagogue. Notice the next verse, for they loved, note loved, they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They were concerned about popularity. They were concerned about pleasing men. And when they loved the praise of men, he says it's a problem. Love can become sin if that love is for the praise of men. You remember Diotrephes in 3 John verse 9? He loved the preeminence. He loved to be considered above others, to be the number one, as it were, when anything was being discussed. He loved the preeminence. Christianity is just the opposite of that. Jesus said, humble yourselves. Peter said, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Diotrephes loved the preeminence. And love became sin on his part. Matthew 6, 5 calls some people hypocrites, probably referring to the Pharisees, and said that they love to pray standing out on the street corner where they would be seen of men. Now, he certainly is not condemning prayer, but seemingly their motive for prayer and where it was done was wrong, and he uses the word love. They love to be out on the street corners to be seen of men. And again, in talking about the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 6, he says about the same thing. They love to be seen for what they wore and what they did, to be seen of men, to make an impression in that sense. And that's where Jesus said, do what they say, but don't do what they do. They, they teach some good things, but don't follow in their footsteps because they love the preeminence. 
Folks, in the Lord's church, there doesn't need to be preeminence. Elders are to be respected for their work's sake, certainly, and they are the leaders of the congregation, but they're men just like the rest of us are human. And preachers are human, or at least lean in that direction. And though there are different types of works in the Lord's church, and some of them by man's standard might seem to be more important than others, there is that description given in 1 Corinthians 12 where he says those little parts of the body, and he's talking about the physical body and then applying it to the church, those little parts that seem to be so little and not necessary sometimes are some of the most important parts. And Ephesians 4.16 talks about the church from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. There just isn't any reason for preeminence in the church. And a person who loves preeminence and loves the pride of life is going to have a problem. Three ways, he says here in verse 16, we can let love become sin. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And then I suggest to you that there is another indication in the 15th verse that brings in another point, and that is that sometimes love can become sin if we do not have our priorities straight. We've been talking about loving the wrong thing, but even love in the right direction but not with the right priority can become something that's a problem. Notice he said, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's letting the world become a priority, even things in the world that might be important become a priority before our love to God. And love can become sin in this way. Look at Demas. It is said of Demas in 2 Timothy 4.10 that he hath forsaken me having loved this present world. He put worldly things before the work of the Lord. And love became sin. Matthew 10, 27 says, If you love father or mother more than me, or son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. Certainly love for father and mother is not wrong. Love for son or daughter is not wrong. Love for husband or wife is not wrong. But he says when you let that love, and I remind those of you that were here yesterday afternoon about the lesson on levels of love, when you let that love for your family become higher than the love for God, he says, then it becomes sin because you don't have your priorities straight. He also indicates that the love of self can become sin. He condemns those that are lovers of self in many ways in the Bible, in 2 Timothy 3, for example, among other sins that are mentioned, those that are lovers of self. And even though we are to have self-respect and self-esteem and look at ourselves as having been created in the image of God, when we begin to love self more than others and more than God, then love can become sin. Case in point, the rich young ruler that young man was an outstanding young man. I think as far as his life is concerned and most everything about him, we'd say this is a good model for our young men today. And yet he had the problem 
of being tied to his riches and was not willing to use them to help others and follow Jesus, he went away sorrowful because he was very rich. He was not putting his priorities in proper order. When you allow our, you and I allow ourselves to love other things before we love God, love can become sin. Because you see, Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Matthew sixteen twenty four. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew six thirty three. God is a jealous God. Jealousy is sometimes used in a positive sense in the Bible. In this sense it is, meaning that God expects what's rightfully his. He expects us to put him first. He doesn't want to be second. He wants to be first. And when you and I allow our love directed toward anything other than God to be greater than the love that we have for God, then love becomes sin. Love not. There are some things that are not to be loved, and there are some ways in which we're not to love. We need to be careful about the lust of the flesh. Even what we might call love or attraction can become sinful if it's aimed in the wrong direction. We need to be concerned about the lust of the eyes. With all the blessings that we enjoy in the place where we live, we need to be sure that we do not become so tied to them that we worship them instead of using them to serve God and mankind. The pride of life. I don't care how much you know, how many degrees you have, how much of this earth goods you have, don't ever allow yourself to get to thinking that you are better than somebody else because in the sight of God, all men are created equal. We have our differences, but as far as soul value is concerned at least, we're all equal. And we certainly should not love the preeminence. And above all, let's be sure that we put our love for God first above everything else. Let us stand and sing.